What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 14 of the Deep Ball Diamond Edition. I'm your host, Anthony Palo, joined, of course, by my co-host, Chris Brox. And Brox, I waited like an extra day to record this. We we're going to record Wednesday, now we're recording Thursday night. And boy, am I happy that we waited because we got a huge thing now to talk about that Field of Dreams game, and I'm excited to get into it. Yeah, no, it's good to be back on. Um, I'm happy we waited the day because my emotions about my favorite team changed slightly. So that's also a good thing. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, honestly, for sure. I mean, I've taken away, I, I mentioned the Field of Dreams game, but yeah, your Mets definitely turned it around over the past two days for sure. Uh, but let's start it with this Field of Dreams game. Like I said, it's kind of fresh off uh, a tough loss for my New York Yankees, Chicago. White Sox win that game 9 8 to manage it. It's a two run walk off home run in the ninth inning. And I mean, look. People can say that's a brutal loss to the Yankees. Do I think it's a t- bad loss? It's a tough loss. You know what I mean? The Yankees are going to go home. They're going to be upset. But at the end of the day, the Yankees did not deserve to win that game. They were down 7-4 with two outs in the ninth inning. Yes, Aaron Judge hits a home run. Gallo walks. And it's then another home run to take the lead. I get it. And emotions, obviously, are crazy swings. But again, you did not deserve to win that game. Um, it st- it'll sting. But they've had much worse losses. The loss against the Angels, I think, was worse. The loss against Houston was definitely worse. The Loss against Boston was definitely worse. So I think, you know what, it would have been a great statement to make over Chicago because this would have improved their record against them to 4-0 this year. It would have kind of showed them, like, all right, we're still, like, the big brother here. Like, Chicago, you might have a better record than us, but, like, we own you. But it is what it is, right? I mean, they got two more games Saturday and Sunday. Hopefully they bounce back. But for now, I'm not I'm not panicking at all. I think the Yankees have done a good job over these past two weeks uh, riding the ship with everything that's happened. And I think um, this, it just, this isn't a backbreaker. No, I mean, like you said, the game they didn't deserve to win. And you come back, and a, a good comeback that would have been obviously like probably their best one of the year. Um, obviously, did not happen because Angela definitely, definitely home run. Yeah. That definitely would have been. Yeah. But you know what? I think the whole like atmosphere of the game is like, honestly, it's one game. There's 162 games. You're in a playoff race. Um, it wasn't a team you're chasing because the White Sox are going to win the Central. In our wild card team, not in the East, so it's not. You know, obviously, you don't love to lose, and losing on a walk off sucked, but um, it's not the worst thing in the world for the Yankees. And I think, honestly, like I watched that game as an outsider. Like I obviously did not care who won, um, but that was just a sick game to watch. I couldn't imagine being a part of it. So I think the Yankees will be happy they played that. I mean, obviously, want to change the outcome, but I think overall, it's not the worst night for the Yankees right now. But they just have to keep on going, like you said. These next two games are going to be more important than one game that was played in the middle of Iowa. Yeah, listen, before we kind of get more into the Yankees and their playoff race, I definitely want to reflect more on the game at the Field of Dreams site because, I mean, it's a movie that I saw when I was younger. Uh, obviously a very important movie, you know what I mean? We're playing baseball when we're younger, and even the, like, the relationship, having catch your dad and stuff, you know what I mean? The movie kind of hits home, so to see mm-hmm. it all lay out, uh, them walking through the cornfield and everything, Kevin Costner – throwing out the first pitch and everything, even like getting interviewed and stuff like that. It was, it was honestly awesome. I wish it was something that I could attend. Definitely, maybe in the future, I know they're bringing these games uh, probably once a year. I know next year, I believe it's the Cardinals and the Cubs are playing there. So it's something that I think a lot of baseball like junkies will want to put on their bucket list of, oh, we got to go to the Cooperstown Hall of Fame. Obviously, that's a spot everyone needs to go to. But uh, at Dryersville, Iowa, I think it's in it specifically that you got to go there. You got to check out a Field of Dreams game uh, because it, it was it was remarkable. And honestly, the play on the field was great too. We had what eight home runs? I think there, yeah, eight home runs total, which is absurd. Those balls, by the way, 
100% juice. There's no doubt in my mind. I know. I remember a couple of years ago when the Yankees went to London, there was like 12 runs in the first inning against Boston. I think it was a similar situation. They knew that there was going to be a lot of eyes on this game. And honestly, it was a from a baseball fandom standpoint and growing the game, it was a great day in that sense. No, honestly, like, yeah, look at social media, man. Like, I, you know, any big baseball game, like, I don't know, some crazy walk-off, whatever happens, like a fight, you see, like, baseball um, accounts go crazy. Tonight, it was the whole world was watching this. It was, it was honestly, it was so sick watching that game. You know, seeing home runs fly into a cornfield, like, that's just awesome. Like, they had an interview with, with Liam Hendricks mid-game. He's in the bullpen, which is in center field right next to a cornfield. Like, that's, it was not, it was honestly pretty sick. Um, and next year, yeah, you said next year be Cardinals Cubs. Like that's a game, like I would honestly think about going to, it's a huge rivalry and just to seeing the atmosphere there, that'd be kind of sick. So, um, big W for Manfred and baseball. They haven't had many this year. So uh, it, was, it was nice to see. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, obviously it helps with your stars, especially late in the game. I mean, even like, before the ninth inning, obviously it was like, all right, this was a great experience. And I like, I still would have like raved about this and how great it was. And then to have that in the ninth inning, I mean, that is just the cherry on top. Obviously the White Sox players, then them, their experience was great. And even though the Yankees, they end up going home on a walk-off loss. I can, I'm sure all these players are going to tell you how great of a time mm-hmm. that they had. And Aaron Judge loves it for sure. Aaron Judge too, I want to bring up a funny note, does absolutely own Liam Hendricks. Um, this was, 2018, Liam Hendricks starts that wild card game. Aaron Judge hits a two-run home run off him. Then this year, uh, Liam Hendricks comes in off, uh, out of the bullpen. I mean, this one's a little less. Tie game, right? Base is loaded. Walks Judge on like four pitches to lose the game. And now tonight, I mean, come October, Yankees are my World Series pick. Um, White Sox are your World Series pick. If we get into like an ALCS and Hendricks versus Judge, I think I like uh, where Judge's chances are there. But that was kind of me throwing a little bit – little uh credit to Aaron Judge in there because people talk about how uh, he can't get a clutch hit and stuff. But I mean, that was a big at bat for him, big at bat for Stanton as well. Liam Hendricks was funny too during that uh during that interview. I know they were talking about how it's like don't curse on the mic again because when he got picked up on um during the All-Star game, uh when he was pitching and stuff like that. But yeah, I love those interactions in the game that just makes it again such a better viewership for baseball. But let's get more specifically into the Yankees and I guess and into their state because I mean over the past two weeks, they played the Orioles. They played the Mariners, who, again, they handled those teams and the Royals as well that they handled. And they've just dealt with COVID again. They dealt with Garrett Cole going out. They dealt with Jordan Montgomery going out. Gary Sanchez, Anthony Rizzo. It's like it just keeps on going. And we had to pitch Andrew Heaney today. We had no other choice. We had to extend him farther. But it looks like they're kind of riding the ship similar to what your Mets have done kind of during this year. They just try to piece it together. Yeah, dude, this season's been tough between injuries and COVID for any team. Mainly, I mean, New York uh, baseball team. It's been it's been the Yankees with the battle of COVID, the Mets with the battle with every single player wants to get injured apparently. So it's been a tough year. But honestly, like I know there's been slander on Boone and also on Luis Rojas, but they've they've done a decent job considering the circumstances this year. I mean, Boone has had to navigate his way to get a, a lineup out there when half his team has COVID-19. Rojas is dealing with uh, six-string center fielders. His, his best pitch, honest, for a while, his top two pitchers out. So just these uh, these two managers have gotten slandered this year, but they deserve some credit for um, putting together 
at least decent baseball. I mean, both teams are in the race right now, considering what they've gone through is pretty remarkable. Yeah, listen, I am not the biggest fan of Aaron Boone, but I'm also not as big as hater. I think some people are just kind of illogical sometimes too, when they're like, oh, why did you do this, Boone? Well, like, he's done it all year. Like, Boone, like, once you, you got to understand his strategy and stuff like that, and then maybe, like, yeah, you can question the strategy, but then don't question his moves if, like, you want a guy who's going to stick to his strategy. You know what I mean? If he's not, then they kind of like, oh, he's panicking and stuff like that. So, I think he's done a phenomenal job, honestly, especially over these past two weeks. He's pushed all the right buttons. I know, like, last week, he's pinch hitting Glaber Torres in that game in, like, the sixth inning, and Gashioka as well for Rob Brantley. So, from a managerial standpoint, I thought he's done a great job. They've had, they were just, they just played 17 games in 17 game blocks. They used, I think, 20 different pitchers within that. They had two bullpen games. One of those bullpen games went to extra innings. Aaron Boone didn't, like, he, he, he didn't get enough credit for that game. He managed that game perfectly it was unbelievable and fans are like when when Boone manages a game well they're like this eh whatever and then when he does when he makes a mistake or something they're out to get him but Boone has been helped by some other guys who have stepped up I mean Jameson Tyone a guy who halfway through the season I wasn't sure what his role would be come playoff time and even if he would be on the roster at some point like he was scaring me he had the second Tommy John surgery I wasn't sure how he was coming back from that didn't look great in Jameson Tyone's last two months he's been unbelievable he won Pitcher of the month in July. Last seven starts, Brox. 4-0, 1.25 ERA. I mean, you talk about a guy stepping up and rising to the occasion. It's definitely been him in that step. As well as Luis Hill, a guy who made his MLB debut, I believe, last Tuesday. And he goes six shutout innings against the Orioles. Follows that up with five shutout innings against the Mariners. And, again, another guy who has come through the system. Uh, I mean, kind of passed a lot of guys in the pecking order, like, Davey Garcia, you would have thought, would be the guy to come up, but he's kind of struggled in AAA. So Heal comes up, takes advantage of Cole being out, and, I mean, he's produced. And that's that's what you kind of need at this stage, and um, that's what the Yankees have been able to do. Yeah, no, that uh, he reminds me of a guy like Tyler McGill on the Mets because, I honestly, I had no clue who McGill was until the beginning of this year because he came through the system pretty fast. He was, like, I think, 23rd best prospect um, last year, and he came through the system fast. Um, had some success in the minors and came up and he's been giving them an inning. So um, that's what these teams need, like especially the Mets and Yankees, both playoff teams. They need guys who are innings eaters. The Mets got Rich Hill to get some innings and the Yankees thought he needed to be the guy. He's getting innings, um, but I mean, it's been some, good some tough game. Not, Yeah, not good. I mean, last game against, what was it, the Mariners I saw? He gave up like he four did, runs early, he then he the did Yankees, battle back. He gave the Yankees four key innings, though. I will, I will give him that. Four yeah. huge shutout innings in that game, so I'll give that yeah, to him. Yeah, they battled, he battled, and then they came back and won. So, I mean, that was big. I mean, tonight it was just – tonight, I don't think give him a pass because he gave up seven runs, but I, I don't know. The ball the ball's definitely juiced tonight, and also that feels small. Someone tweeted, like, oh, this place makes cores look like Coffin Stadium. Like, I mean, it was, the ball's flying tonight. The ball's flying tonight. Flying right into the corn. Uh, it doesn't also help that he's a left-handed pitcher going against the White Sox. The White Sox yeah. are, like, predominantly right right-handed yeah, lineup. They, they, you know what I mean? And they got some sluggers in there. It's not like he's going against the Royals, who yeah. – I know he didn't pitch great against the Orioles, so that's not, like, helping his case. But besides the fact, I wonder what his future holds on the Yankees. I'd be a little worried if I was him because I felt like today was a pivotal start to kind of prove that he had something with Luis Severino potentially coming back next week. Cole and Montgomery should be activated as well. You have Cortez still. Domingo Herman, another guy who's went on the IL. I missed all of this, of course. So 
They, a Kluber, a guy who just had his rehab start today. So over the next two weeks, I don't know where Andrew Heaney really fits. Again, they didn't give up like a whole lot for him. He is a free agent at the end of the year. I wouldn't be surprised if they just DFA him to give a to get a 40-man spot from it. But who knows? I guess we'll pivot more towards who the Yankees are going against and their competition really in the playoff race. From We'll first start in the division, I guess. We got the Red Sox and the Blue Jays. Now, the Red Sox are two games above the Yankees. The Blue Jays now are tied with the Yankees after the Yankees lo lost tonight. These two teams played a series, I believe, last weekend, yeah, and they ended up splitting, I mean, Toronto wins both those, the first two games in that series, and I'm almost getting over here, and I'm like, Toronto, if they could sweep Boston, Boston then had to play had to play Tampa Bay these past couple of days. I was like, they could honestly knock Boston, like, way down in the standings, and Toronto could gain a lot of traction. Boston wins those last two games of the series. They didn't play. I don't know what they did tonight against Tampa Bay, but I know they, they lost a brutal game to Tampa Bay the first game of the series, and then they killed them yesterday. But besides the point, we'll start with Boston first, I guess. Um, one, are you worried about Boston? Like, are you worried about Boston specifically with, like, their starting pitching, with, like, Nathan Eovaldi honestly, like, falling off since the All-Star break? Um, I would I'd be, like, worried about them as a whole. Just, I think, I think it was two days ago I saw they were, like, they lost 10 in the last 12 games. I mean, they're getting sale back very, very soon. But, yeah, I mean, obviously their their hole before the season started was starting pitching, and Eovaldi was their one main guy with sale being out for most of the year. And him struggling does not help. Um, I don't know. I I think that – I don't know. I don't want the Red Sox enough, but I think that uh, with sale, even with sale coming back um, – this the slide they're on right now is is not good. I know they want they lost today actually eight to one to the the um the Rays. So another series they I mean they I think they tied the Blue Jays series, um, but they lost the series against the Rays, which the team they're right behind. So they're they're slipping fast. I mean they're about to get caught by the Yankees and Blue Jays. So in a matter of a week they could be in fourth place. So I'm, I would say yeah I'm worried about the the Red Sox as a whole at this point. I mean maybe Sale comes back and injects life into them, but um, right now, I think that it's not looking good for Boston. They got to turn things around quick. I'm with you on that. I think Chris Sale is a huge difference maker in this. And if Chris Sale honestly goes out and, I mean, the guy hasn't pitched in a while. You know what I mean? He's coming off Tommy John surgery. If he mm -hmm. is a little rusty coming back, that is going to really hurt them because he can give them a big spark right now. And he could almost be like, if he goes, I think he's pitching on Friday, I want to say. If he could go out there and, like, shut him down, it's almost like, all right, we're, we got to race back. We'll be okay. But, I mean... I'd be, I'd, I'm very nervous about Boston. The Toronto is tied with them in the win, in the loss column. The Yankees are one game back of Boston in the loss column, and, the, and they go to New York next week and play three games against them. So not a good path for Boston. I guess we'll flip that around. We kind of talked about the Blue Jays in their series. The Blue Jays have been surging a little bit. I believe going into the break, they were, like they were now obviously they're tied with the Yankees, but they were in fourth place by not like a sizable margin, but it was like a couple games for sure. And I think we can attribute that to George Springer coming back and being on an absolute tear. Last 15 games, Brox, George Springer has seven home runs. He's hitting 368 with a 422 on base percentage. Toronto's lineup with Springer, Guerrero, Bichette, or Simeon, excuse me, it's third, Bichette, and Teoscar Hernandez, one through five. Find me a better lineup. That is unbelievable. And Springer's obviously value is how good he is in that leadoff spot. They were a little hesitant when he first came back. They put him there, and he's raking, and I'm all for it, even though they are in the Yankee division. Nah, dude, I, I saw the Blue Jays once, and I saw him play the Mets in three games. And that lineup is ridiculous. Um, that's like the team in the AL East right now that I think that 
if they go on a tear, which they are currently on right now, man, they could make some noise. Um, and obviously Springer coming back after being out the first two months really is a huge boost for them. So like their lineup, man, is so deep and they just got Barrios to um, bolster the, the rotation. Um, their bullpen's still a little shaky because with the, they got Brad Hand who is not having a good year. So that's my only concern, but their lineup is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, one of the underrated things, too, about Toronto is now they're back in Toronto and they finally really have, like, mm-hmm. a home field. There's no more of this uncertainty of, oh, we're living in a hotel. Oh, we might be in this city in a couple months. Now we got to change this, change that. So you know what I mean? I know Charlie Mont- Mont- Montoya, I think his last name is, Montoya. the manager for Toronto. Yeah, yeah Montoya, thank you. Um, he, he was emphasizing that. And honestly, I didn't really, like, give too much thought, I guess, into that. But for sure, that being back in Toronto helps. A big thing about the Blue Jays, I don't maybe think enough people understand, too. They have the second-best run differential in the American League, plus 132. That's normally a pretty good measure of the type of team you are. And like I said, Boston in front of them has almost 100 less run differential. I know the Yankees have a bad run differential, but Boston does not have a good one as well. So it's kind of a sign that Toronto, maybe their record is like a little deceiving in that sense. You mentioned they bring in Berrios, Hinging Ryu, another big uh, offseason acquisition a couple years ago. Kind of struggled a little bit this year. Robbie Ray has been very good for them. So if they can get Ryu kind of back, have a formidable one, two, three. I personally think Boston is going to end up falling out. And I think the Blue Jays are going to make a push. If I had to predict the wild card, I think the Yankees and the Blue Jays take both spots. Oakland scares me because they're playing very good baseball right now. So they might pull away a little bit too much. I think they're like four games up on both of those teams. I just think the Yankees and the Blue Jays are just way more talented than both those other teams. They can score a lot of runs. Obviously, the Yankees pitching has been good. If, ball, if Toronto's pitching can be a little bit more consistent, I think they could take both of those teams down in the wild card race. Oh, yeah, 100%. I think that's the I think that's the biggest thing in the AL East right now is pitching. The Yankees starting pitching has come alive recently, with obviously with Tyone at the front. Um, bullpen's been obviously a little shaky. I mean, we saw tonight with Britain with the unfortunate blown save. I mean, happens. Um the Red Sox, they're a question mark with their pitching. And the Blue Jays, if the Blue Jays can get, obviously, they have a good rotation now, but if they can get a decent bullpen, they can be a really scary team. And obviously, the Rays, the Rays, I mean, they'll pull anyone out of their ass to to start and throw six scoreless. But I think at this point, the AL East is going to be based off pitching because we know that all these teams can hit. The Yankees, the Blue Jays, the Rays, the Red Sox, they can hit. It's who's going to be the team that could that can shut you down on the map. That's really, that's what it's really at right now. I'm a hundred percent with you on that, Brock. They got, and especially like key moments, like high leverage innings for those pitchers. So even if you want to specify more on the bullpen and stuff, obviously the starters are important in that sense that like, they can't like, you don't want those high leverage guys being out there every single day. I think that's one thing I've, especially watching the Yankees closely. I noticed that it seems like all their high leverage guys have to pitch every single game. So they're taxed, but Toronto, in that sense, maybe at a little bit of a disadvantage. Who knows? Oakland, I mentioned, they did just lose Ramon Laureano, too. So maybe that, uh, like, will force them, I don't know, maybe that, like, forces them to play a little less baseball. I mean, Ramon Laureano is one of their best outfielders. They did just add Starling Marte, and he's been great for them. So who knows? Um, but Laureano, you think it's like, it, you, I, you'd say, too, it's like a sizable loss, even with the addition of Marte. Yeah, no, that's tough, man. You know, it's kind of weird. Though, like, you look at a guy like Laureano. He's a small guy, but, like, he was jacked. I mean, like, that dude is jacked. And I saw him get – he was suspended 80 games. I know we're talking about this after, that he was suspended for uh, for steroids. Um, it did not surprise me, honestly. This guy looked 
you know, he was, you know, it was also true. He's also a hothead, man. This guy always had a temper with the Alps, got to a fight with the Astros last year. So this guy was showing some signs of uh, taking steroids, but yeah, no good thing. They got starting Marte um, to replace him in center field. Yeah. Listen, we can keep it on Loriano for a second. Yeah. I guess we'll uh, like address it a little more here. You, you mentioned, I was going to say that same thing too. I mean, no wonder why the guy was on steroids. And he wasn't scared to fight the whole Houston Astros bench. That yeah. He's like, he was like pointing out into there too. Cause he knows he's got what you would call it. He's got PEDs flowing through his blood. But <laughs> listen, I don't know. Hopefully Loriano gets clean service suspension, stuff like that. Sad case for Oakland, obviously, because he's been there um, the last couple of years, he's been a very good ball player for them, but they got to keep going. Hopefully Chris Bassett on the mound can keep carrying them and at the plate. Matt Olson keeps it up. Uh, Brox, I talked a lot about the AL East. Obviously, your Mets in the NL East. It's kind of been a roller coaster week. I mean, you want to take it away, kind of how you feel. I guess we'll start first. I'll give you the floor about. I know this these past couple of days have been good, but, but we'll adjust the lows first. How scared are you about the Mets because of that series in Philadelphia specifically? Um, I would say if we recorded on Sunday after they got swept by the Phillies. I would say that the Mets were dead that I watched. I was away and I still watched all, all those games. And it wasn't like the Phillies, man. Like it wasn't like they're they're playing good baseball right now. It wasn't like, man, like it was like, damn, the Phillies are a better team. The Mets just looked dead at the plate. They were just putting up terrible at bats. Like, you know, sometimes like you got to tip your cap to some pitching. No, besides Sunday when Wheeler shut them down, the Friday and Saturday, man, they had some terrible at-bats. It was – honestly, it was hard to watch. Um, it doesn't get me scared. I mean, it was scary to watch them play bad baseball. I mean, it's still like I know that they're still in the race of the Phillies, but um, I think the next time they play them, they, you know, maybe want to hit a few few baseballs next time. It was it was not a good series for them, so it doesn't, like, get me anything, like, worried that, like, oh, like, this season's over, but – they got to wake up with the bats, man. It was absolutely ridiculous watching that series. I've never seen that before in my life. <laughs> and then, let me tell you something. That's saying a lot. You've watched a ton of Mets baseball in your yes. life, just baseball in general. But you do bring up a good point, too, about, like, baseball is just so hard. It's honestly, from a fan's perspective, it, like, to be, like, a hard old fan, it's the hardest sport by far just because they play 162 games. So you're going to see so many duds like that. And it's just like, oh, my goodness. Like, at least football, if they're going to dud, it was your Sunday, right? Obviously, it's going to be a tough Monday. Then people are going to be like, oh, those Giants, man, they suck this week. It's like, all right, but by Wednesday, you're like, all right, we're getting to it next week. They suck. If the Yankees suck on a Monday and then it lingers over to Tuesday, it's like, oh, my goodness, man. Then they're just that. But you mentioned the Mets. Yeah, it was brutal, honestly, in Philadelphia. It was a huge, like, it felt like a, it was a huge swing series, right? Because obviously if the Mets sweep, then you're almost feeling like they control Philadelphia. And maybe they're like, they're not almost like a serious competitor, Philadelphia. Maybe it's just Atlanta. But Philadelphia sweeping them, I think, kind of just shows that Philadelphia is not going away. Helps when you have really an MVP candidate now, Bryce Harper, a guy who over the last 15 games is getting on base basically every other at bat, which is absurd. He's hit six home runs this past month like I said, catapulted his way into the MVP race after not even being an all-star. And Zach Wheeler was just unbelievable. But we joke around, like, every time any of these former, like, Mets or former Yankees pitch against, like, the teams, like, me and Brock will mess around with each other. I texted Brock. I was like, yo, Brock, what do you think? Wheeler, seven innings, 10 Ks. And then what did he do? Nine innings, 12? Um, Yeah, 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 two hits. 
I think he retired like 22 straight batters too at one point. So <laughs> yeah. it's unbelievable. I know Wheeler, Matt, Matt Harvey's another one we always do it with too, but uh, <laughs> he, he kind of got rocked the other day. But besides the point, yeah, the NL East, we're only, we only mentioned the Mets really, and we only mentioned the Phillies. There's a third team in this race, Brock, thanks to Ozzie Albies. Uh, walk-off home run yesterday off Lucas Sims to beat the Reds. The Braves were tied for the NL, at least at one point. I know now they are a game back technically, but the Braves, let me tell you something, they've treaded water all year. They've lost everybody. Acuna, Soroka, Anderson, Darno, Yanoa. Darno, I believe, just came back, he I want to say. Yeah. And let me tell you something. Freddie Freeman has really turned it around the second half. He's starting to play like MVP Freddie from last year. Ozzy Albies, too, is having a great year. The Braves, I wouldn't write the Braves off yet just because of how – okay, I'll phrase it like this, Brox. Who are you more worried about taking the division from the Mets, the Braves or the Phillies? Braves. 100% the Braves. Just because really? – Now, why? It's it's their hitting, man. It, like, the Phillies – like obviously, the Phillies have – a decent lineup, but um, this year, man, like Remuto is not having a crazy year, and guys like like guys like um, Hoskins has been hurt a lot. Uh, Gregorius is hurt now. Um, Segura is not the same. Um, they don't they don't scare me that much, and their bullpen is like every time the Phillies bullpen comes out against the Mets, man, it, they're terrible. The Braves, I mean, the Braves don't have a great bullpen either, but um. Just their lineup, man. Like having Albies and Freeman, not Abby Duvall coming in, coming back to the Braves, excuse me. Um, their lineup does scare me. But I think that out of all three teams in the NL East race, though, the somehow I can say this, the Mets probably have the best bullpen, which is really weird to say because they've never had a good bullpen, not recently. So that's the only thing that really calms me down a little bit, but definitely the Braves. The Freddie Freeman haunts me in my dreams, man. Yeah, well said. I did forget to mention as well, Adam Duval coming back is a good ad for them. Neither of those teams, I think, neither of those teams that I know don't have a great bullpen, but Philadelphia's is definitely worse. And Philadelphia yeah. has one good reliever. It's like Suaro, I think is his last name. Or Suarez. Ranger Suarez. They made him a starter. He's like, oh, so. yeah, but he opens. He has like a, he has yeah. like a sub, first of all, he has like a sub one ERA. I'm, yeah, I'm, he shut down the Dodgers today. Apparently he's unbelievable. Like, yeah. But like, but he opens. He's their best reliever, though. Like, it makes no sense. I don't know what their game plan is. Uh, who's even closing games for them? It's not Archie Bradley. It's not Hector Ian Harris. Kennedy. Oh, Ian they Kennedy. Ian Kennedy. Ian Kennedy and that Kyle Gibson deal. Kyle Gibson, another sneaky ad. Kind of makes them a big three. So, if they were in a playoff series. I know Nola hasn't been great, though, this year. But, I mean, still a formidable trio. But I agree with you, though. I think the Braves, too, just their recent success, obviously, they're more equipped in – down the stretch in September, I think, to uh, bat on those in games later innings, maybe where the Phillies, not so much. But I'm talking about a lot of the two NL East teams, Brock's not yours, but your Mets, they've had what they swept today in the doubleheader. They won yesterday's game. They had a big comeback fashion. And like you mentioned earlier, like you wouldn't be, you're not, you're not very worried as much as you would have been on Sunday night. And I think that's the biggest thing. Teams can have tough losses, especially, obviously, I mentioned the Yankees is a tough loss. It's all really about how you come back from them and how you deal with those losses. For the Mets to then go down, like, what were they? They were down 4-1 in that game. Then it gets kind of postponed or whatever, and it gets made up the next day. For them to come back late in that game, that is just a huge momentum swing. They could have been on a crazy, crazy downfall. Um, maybe they lose like that later. They lose today. Then again, who knows if they lose that game 
yes, or two days ago now, but that's it's a big win. It's a resilient win. It kind of just shows you that this Mets team has some character. And honestly, I I I think yeah, I I did pick the Mets to hold on in this division. And honestly, I'm going to stick to that. I think your Mets they showed me something this week. So kudos to them. No, I mean even on Sunday, I mean I, I was obviously mad that they got swept. But I look. I took a deep breath. I waited a few hours. I looked at the division, and I see they're back two and a half games. Obviously, the wild card they're they're pretty far back. But I think six. I mean, right now, it's six back of the Padres. But two and a half games is not that not that much when you're going to be playing these teams a few more times um, the rest of the year. But then I realized they played the Nationals this week. The Nationals who stripped down everyone. This is the team that you have to, like you have to sweep at this point. Um, I mean, the, they did. They they did their job. They swept the Nationals. I mean, but they're still not playing great baseball. Like, I mean, um, the game that got suspended that they played yesterday, they were down four one, down seven four, and they came back. That was a good, resilient win. Didn't didn't play great, but they did that. Um, earlier today, Stroman has been an absolute horse. Um, went six strong. They won four one, and then the second game. I mean, they're up four one, and then Trevor May blows a four one lead in the seventh. And I'm thinking like, damn, we're just gonna do this again. But then. Bottom of the inning, Pete Alonso comes up, does his job, hits a home run, game over. So, I mean, they're not playing great still, but they're getting that mojo back that, you know, like in the past, these teams would blow a game and then that's it. And they keep going, it's downfall. But they seem to, you know, have some tough times, but then bring right back up. Um, I don't know. It, it's nice to see. And it does remind me more of like a 2015 and 2006 vibe team that they can go down, but they'll come right back. So, I mean, I. I still believe they'll win this division, but they just they have a tough schedule coming up. They play the Dodgers, um, the Giants, and then the Dodgers and Giants again. They play them. They play both series, so home and away, home and away. The Dodgers and Giants in the next thirteen games. So, I think that will tell the season at this point if they can. Obviously, you're beating a good team, and also just staying alive in your division. So we'll see what happens, but. Um, the Mets are, you know, you know, the miracle Mets. You got to believe. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Whoever, somebody in the Mets organization pissed off the schedule maker. I mean, before the year, you're probably uh, not thinking the Giants are too good. No, but, I mean, that true. is a horrible stretch. That is probably the worst stretch in baseball. If you pick 13 games in baseball, any team, that's the worst stretch. Prove yeah. me wrong. But and also, let me I just go one more thing. One more thing it. quick. Yep. Sorry. So I think it was Tuesday night before the first game against the Nationals. Zach Scott, the Mets interim GM, um, spoke to the media and he called out the team and said, we're playing mediocre, right now we're playing bad baseball and the whole year playing been playing mediocre baseball. And apparently that pissed off some of the players. I mean, he's not wrong. They're four games above 500, so that's mediocre baseball. And I guess it pissed off some players. I mean, you know what? Good. Get mad. And I guess, you know, it helped him win at least three games and hopefully more. But um, he was, he spoke the truth that, I mean, the Mets are having a decent year. They're in first place, but the whole year they haven't been playing great baseball. They have they they have to pick it up soon, or it's or the uh, division is going to fall away from them. So that that was a good point. I think it was a good thing by Zach Scott to do, just to try to light a fire under his team's butt. Yeah, Zach Scott, motivational speaker. I like that though. You know what I mean? You got to hold some of your players accountable for sure. Biggest thing with the Mets too: can they ride this wave? Going against San Francisco, going against the Dodgers, the two two of the three best teams in the National League. Obviously, the Dodgers just got Scherzer. He's pitching Sunday, right? The uh, Trey Turner, he's back. Did you, first of all, you see that slide by Trey Turner? You did see that slide. I asked you this, right? Dude, that was 
that was like that's the coolest thing I've ever seen. It's the coolest thing I've ever that seen. That was honestly that, the coolest that, thing I've ever seen. Like that gift will keep going around for like a couple years, and everybody will like obviously because always be like, oh, slide into people's DMs and stuff like that. So people send that gift. That's unbelievable <laughs> though. Trey Turner, hell of a ball player, great base runner, and even better slider. But the Mets hopefully you can get. Who's after you guys? Lindor's out, obviously, still. DeGrom's Lindor's out. Lindor's is close. I'll say Lind- I heard Lindor's close because he's yeah, starting cool. to hit. Big. DeGrom is still far away. So is Syndergaard. And soon. All right. So, listen. Who knows? You got to get – hopefully, you guys can get them back come playoff time. But you mentioned earlier, like, about the resilient bunch. And I think one of the most important things come October is kind of are you battle-tested as a team? Uh, can you take – like, can you win those close games down the stretch? And – the Mets, they've been in a lot of them. They won a lot of them. I know the Yankees is kind of similar mojo with them in that sense. So, yeah, like, listen, you just have to get into the playoffs, right? And then everything else goes yeah. from there. We've seen it, I mean, a couple years ago when the Dodgers, the best team in baseball by far, and then they lose in the first round because the Nationals were just hot. They were battle-tested. And they and once they got momentum, they just kept it going all the way to the World Series. You know what I mean? So you just have to get there. And some teams, you can kind of feel it. You know what I mean? And I honestly, yeah. like, when you get that, like, Bunch, it almost makes you feel like, all right, maybe this this team just has to get there and then just, just give them a shot. You got to give us a shot, as Terry Collins would say, and then just go from there. So yeah, I'm, I'm I like that thing about the Mets, and that that like makes me feel like I be optimistic about the Mets. There we go. So hopefully yeah. they can hold on and keep that up. And also, I have a I have a question for you. Who would you pick as your NL Manager of the Year? Who would I pick as my NL manager of the year? I know Rojas, obviously, what he's done all this year, but I don't think I don't think mm. there's a way that if if San Francisco wins the division, there's not a shot in the world it's not Gabe Kapler. It has to be like almost unanimously, if you ask me too. Just because no, again, to beat up to beat up the Dodgers and to beat out the Padres, I feel like it has to be him. No, that's. Uh... That's what I was hoping you would say because that's what I would, I would pick that too. I would say Cap if they win the division, I would pick Kapler to win it 100. percent Honestly, I'm, even if they don't win the division, like if they make the play, they, like, honestly making the playoffs, collapse, yeah. Unless they, yeah, if they, if they collapse yeah. down the stretch in September and like maybe squeeze in as like a second wild card, barely over like I don't know, like the Reds or something, then all right, maybe you have an argument against it. But if they make the playoffs like comfortably, come on, give him the manager of the year. He deserves it. Oh yeah, understand because I was gonna say. I would say it'd be a tough um, year for Rojas to not because I think Rojas he'd probably be like second or third place finisher in that because now um, the Mets just broke their record for most players using the season and thanks to a million injuries this year so I mean he's managed the team I guess well enough to keep a okay baseball team on the field which has been you know it's pretty hard so I had to give it after last year when Rojas I didn't love him last year um he surprised me this year so that's why I mean. I would give him some nod for having a good year as a manager, but yeah, no, I think Giants make the playoffs any capacity. You gotta give it to Kapler. Agreed. I mean, the Giants right here, I'm looking there, are 32 games over 500 and hold a four and a half game lead on the Dodgers. It's absurd. Chris Bryant, what an ad. What an ad. Hopefully he signs long term there. I actually kind of like seeing Chris Bryant in a, um, San Francisco jersey. I think that's a good fit for him too in the Bay Area. Kind of gives them like mm-hmm. a star. Obviously they have Posey who's like been their face, but without like Bumgarner there the last couple of years, they kind of like lost a little bit of that star power. So give him Chris Bryant. Let him stay there for a while. Uh I guess we'll stay out west, right? We talked a little bit about the Dodgers. Obviously, I think they'll be in the playoffs comfortably. 
let's talk about the San Diego Padres, who kind of going under a little bit of a roster crisis right now. Fernando Tatis has been out, I believe, just about two weeks, I want to say, with that shoulder injury he sustained. I believe it's like his second. It's definitely his second time he's went on the DL or the IL this year, excuse me. Um, they're talking about bringing him back, Brox, in the outfield because Adam Frazier, who they acquired, can play second. Cronworth, who has the best nickname in baseball, the Crone Zone. There's no competing with it. With Don Orsillo on the mic, too. I mean, it's just music to my ears every time I hear that. You can't hit it in the Crone Zone. But Tatis, there's reports that he's going to come back and play the outfield, maybe only for the short term. Could you, like, how good of an outfielder could Fernando Tatis be, like, in center field? Like, that's just honestly unfair. Um, I'm not going to lie. Guy, he's not had the greatest year at shortstop. So, like, him in center field, like, I mean, he could be good in center field, but it may be an adventure. Um, and I would be careful, man. I think this also, this, like, another, he's on the aisle, right? He's not just, like, yes. being benched. All right. So, there's another aisle stint could hurt him for the NL MVP, too. Um, but I think, I think if I'm the Padres, this guy has gotten hurt a few times this year. He's done some scare, he's some scary plays that he comes out, like, unscathed this year. Um, so I'd be careful with they, – they should be careful with Tatis. Like, they don't want to put him in another vulnerable position. Um, I mean, it could be cool. He'll, he'll probably make some crazy play catch in the outfield. But I would say that his defense at short is not elite. So center field, I don't know what's going to translate out there. I, I don't know. That, that is fair because it's not like he's like a gold glove. Like, you know what I mean? Like, sometimes you're a good field. You can play anywhere. So it's like he has all the, like – you know, the measurables, I mean, the guy's wicked fast. He has a cannon of an arm. Obviously, he could jump like, uh, you know what I mean? So, they just need his bat in the order, I think. At the end of the yeah, day, it comes I think down that's to it. they need his bat in the order. In 87 games this year, he's hit 31 home runs. At, like, early in the year, he was, he was hovering around, like, 215. He's almost up to 300 again. Just get him in the order. Keep him healthy. And San Diego, like, I, I just don't see that there's any chance that they get caught by – Cincinnati how much what are they up like three games on Cincinnati maybe two games on Cincinnati I think Cincinnati mm-hmm. I know I like one episode we were talking I like the halfway mark I was trash and poor Cincinnati I was like oh they're done they got no shot and I mean they're hovering around a little bit they're four games behind four back. San Diego four games. I, I mean Jonathan India Jesse Winker and Castellanos I think Castellanos is still out though have been like carrying their team their pitching is like Votto. spotty and mess. oh and, excuse me I'm just completely abandoning the fact that Joey Votto went on that absolute tear. You're right. So I, I, I just don't see it, though, with the Reds. I don't think they can hold on and stay in it. I think the NL, I think the NL, honestly, four of the five playoff teams are, like, comfortably in. And I think it really comes down to that NL East will be the race to watch. Yeah, no, I mean, the Padres have been sliding a little bit. They're now aching back of, of the Giants. Like, they're probably out of the West. Um. But yeah, I, I think it's just down and at least I think you got all the playoff teams locked in with the Giants, Dodgers, Padres all in the West. You got the Brewers who are have the sickest top three rotation baseball man. And that and at least it's, it's gonna be a crapshoot for the Phillies, Braves, and Mets. Yeah, it definitely will. I mean the Brewers, it helps when you score seventeen runs like they did today. Uh <laughs> Urias, you 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 know what Urias went today? Urias was five for six today with five extra base hits. He had three doubles and two home runs. So Jesus. if we're getting this, if we're getting this, uh, Luis Urias, I mean, I think the Brewers are a shoo-in, right? The World Series title. 
But <laughs> yeah, listen, the lineup, we, we said this, I feel like forever. If the lineup gets going for them, they could be very dangerous come October. Uh, but yeah, I think the AL playoff picture is a lot more uncertain than the NL. Definitely something to keep your eye on. But again, the NL East, they're right in the thick of things. You got three teams fighting for that division title. Uh, before we wrap it up, I guess we'll kind of bring up one more thing and then we'll leave the floor open to anything else you want to discuss. Chris Davis retired today formally for the Baltimore Orioles. He has not played at all this year. I know last year was like a disaster when he went like 50 something at bats without a hit. That was like kind of embarrassing. Just like how like they kept like, like they cheered for him too. What's him called? Because I mean, look, the guys had a couple really good seasons as a pro. He had what, like 57 was the final number, 54? Like in like 2013 or Some, something like that. Yeah, I think, I think he was unbelievable in 2013. He sucked in 2015. Uh, excuse me, he was unbelievable. He's really good in 2013. Wasn't that good 2014? Was great again in 2015. And then they paid him like seven years, 161 million. That well, honestly, it'll go down as one of the worst contracts in baseball for sure. Like I'm not even cl- like it probably will be the worst contract in baseball. Shame for him. Does a lot of work in the community. Chris Davis. Uh, I applaud you. Listen, like I said, back then when he was going against the Yankees, I remember this guy would just hit absolute nukes. One of the best power hitters for that, like, I guess, four to five year window, because even when he wasn't hitting for good average, he was still hitting bombs. So, yeah, good for you, Chris Davis. I wish it could have ended a little bit better, but uh, yeah, happy, happy retirement. No, yeah, I mean, dude, that was one of the best power hitters we ever saw um, for those that span of time. But yeah, the guy had nukes. I mean, hats off to him, man. The guy. Guy had some good years for the Orioles. Um, career a little little dampered by his um, by his steroid use, but still, still got to give it to him. Man, the guy uh, did guy had some great that. years. Guy some great years on on some tough teams. So good for him. And yeah, hopefully that that this signals that kind of like a new wave in the Orioles organization that out with Chris Davis and hopefully in with Adley Rushman. Hopefully he can come up mm-hmm. soon. Uh two two more things I actually want to touch on real quick they're not gonna only because i didn't mention them and i'd be uh, remiss if i didn't um the yankees royals game the other day i know we talked about the yankees taking two out of three they played on monday night the yankees blew four saves that night that was absolutely absurd um how the royals just kept matching them it was like the first time ever something so i just wanted to comment on how crazy that game was acknowledge that and just know that again this is what the yankees have put me through all year watching these games i i can never understand to be fair i probably followed this season probably closely than i have in a a couple years and stuff like that. But I mean, it seems like every single game I'm watching, like, again, it's just back and forth, back and forth. And they're just playing with your heart. And then one final thing, Eloy Jimenez, back-to-back days, two home runs, five RBIs, hit another home run today. I mean, people kind of forget about that. Dude, this guy, first of all, Eloy Jimenez, like, doesn't get enough, like, love from the sense of just being, like, a fun ball player. I mean, the guy wears his hat completely sideways. He unbuttons about nine buttons on his shirt and wears a 40-pound gold chain on He's just a fun guy that's playing baseball, and he he has tons of power. You know, I'm just glad he's back from the dead, you know? He rose <laughs> from the dead. I don't bet that, too. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> what you say? Uh, they said something. It was like, it, it, like the line from Field of Jesus, like, is this heaven and evil? It was like, or whatever, I was here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That, that was there. Oh. Listen, they honor him like that before the first game of the season, and then look what he does though when he comes back. So hey, uh, he's giving the White Sox a huge boost in that lineup. But uh, anything else you kind of want to touch on, or uh, at least look forward to? I'm just looking forward to uh, a good run. I mean, there's some 
tight races the rest of the year. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, for sure. I think that coming down the stretch, obviously football season's kind of getting underway a little bit preseason, but baseball, I mean, don't take your eye off these playoff races. They're going to get good. And come October, I, I feel like we're in for a really good October this year because I've said this for a while, especially before the trade deadline, all these teams just seem like they're on such an even playing field. And the more like the league progresses and the more the season goes on, it's just like, again, like there's just not these teams that are completely standing out. Like the Dodgers, we said before the year how much, how much, like they, they just have so much talent. They are much more talented on paper than any other team. But you ne- you haven't just gotten this sense that year that the Dodgers are completely all together and that they're just going to like run the table and dominate. Even Tampa Bay and Chicago, even in the American League, two of the teams with the better records in that league, you just don't get that sense of like, oh, they're a dominant team that can put you away and stuff like that, and they'll sweep you. So I think it's a wide open race. I can't wait for it. We got about six weeks left. And I will definitely be keeping my eye on it. But that's going to be it for today's episode. Be sure to check us out on the Instagram at the deep ball underscore. And yeah, take care, everybody. Have a good one.